Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Gray, and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I am a follower of Jesus, and I find the Bible to be absolutely amazing and love helping people experience it anew. Because in my 12 plus years of teaching the Bible professionally, I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context, and we are missing out on so much. Because when the biblical text is set in its context, it becomes more relevant, compelling, and transformational than we ever imagined. My desire is for all people to experience the Bible this way and to see Jesus at the center of it all. It's to this end that I created the teaching series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. So if you find an episode particularly helpful, I'd encourage you to check out the video version as well. And please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. Friends, hello there, and welcome to a new episode in the teaching series. If you had a chance to watch last week's teaching series, you will know that today we're beginning a brand new mini-series within the teaching series on the Sabbath. Now, I would imagine maybe for some of you, you heard me say in last week's teaching that we're going to talk about the Sabbath, and you probably thought, ah, seriously, we're going to spend several weeks talking about the Sabbath. And then maybe for others of you, you probably thought, oh man, I am really excited about trying to better understand the Sabbath. Because I am convinced that the Sabbath is one of the most significant gifts that God has ever given to us. In fact, behind Jesus, God's Word, and the Holy Spirit, I believe this is the greatest gift that God has given to humanity. And I can tell you that for my wife and I, we've been celebrating, and I use that word intentionally, celebrating the Sabbath for the last 14 years. And it is the most significant life-giving practice that we do on a regular basis. And so in this series, I want to do two things. One, for those of you who practice the Sabbath, I want to help you understand at a deeper level why this is such a significant thing that you're engaging in. And then for those of you who do not practice the Sabbath, that this isn't part of your weekly rhythm, I want to make a case for why this is something that you should give a go at. That this could be something that transforms your life more than anything else. You know, we're in this season right now, we've been setting goals, right? New Year's resolutions. We're going to set goals for this, and we're going to accomplish this, and we're going to accomplish this. And I believe that in this new year, one of the most significant things things we can accomplish is how we rest well. Because friends, many of us just live life terribly exhausted. It is a rat race. It is a go, 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 go. And I believe with every fiber in my being, this is not how God created us to function. And so I am super excited about this series. This is one of my favorite things to talk about, to teach on. And I've done a bunch of additional research over the last several weeks in order to provide you a really helpful, robust, contextual understanding of the Sabbath in the Bible and what it means for our lives. But 
here's the but. We're going to get to the Sabbath starting next week. And let me just read a quote from Mark Buchanan because it's going to set the stage for what I want to tackle in this first episode on the Sabbath that doesn't have anything to do with the Sabbath. Notice what Mark Buchanan writes in his book called The Rest of God. He says, in order to keep the Sabbath well, to embrace the rest of God, we need a right view of work. Without a rich theology of labor, we'll have an impoverished theology of rest. And I couldn't agree more with Mark's assertion here. And so this is a teaching I've just simply called a theology of work. And I just want to talk about work in the Bible and how we should look at our work and how I look at my work and provide us hopefully with a rich theology so that when we tackle the first part of the Sabbath next week, we won't have an impoverished view, but we'll elevate the reality of work in order to then understand how we need to elevate the reality of rest in our lives. So when you start looking at this idea of work, it shows up at the very beginning of the story. God is working the first six days, and in the sixth day, God creates humanity. And in Genesis chapter 2, God gives us a more concentrated look or a more focused viewpoint of this creation. And in Genesis 2.15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God puts Adam in the garden to work it, to steward it, to take it somewhere. And the word that we have is work. And I just want to make a very simple observation is that God gave work before the fall. Work isn't a result of the fall. It's actually this amazing gift that God gave in the midst of the garden, in the midst of creating Adam. I love what Abraham Joshua Heschel in his book, The Sabbath, writes. He says this. He says, labor is not only the destiny of man, it is endowed with divine dignity. That this is a gift from God. There is a dignity to it because God gave us work to do. Now, when it came to, to Adam is that he's alone. And just a, a couple of verses later, we get here in Genesis 2.18 that the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God gives Adam this work to do and he's alone in this work and God goes, well, I'm going to create a woman and she's going to join you in this work. And so there's lots of implications for this helper suitable. In fact, I dedicated an entire chapter in my book, Make Your Mark, to understanding this from a Hebrew perspective and the language there. And perhaps we'll do a teaching series on that at some point. But the point that I just want to make here is that work is good. It is a gift from God. It is endowed with this divine dignity. It came before the fall. But then we have the fall in Genesis 3. God tells Adam, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we all know the story Adam and Eve take from the tree. And then we find out that with these four relationships in life, the relationship we have with God, the relationship we have ourselves, the relationship we have with one another, and the relationship we have with creation, they're all fractured. And we just see those kind of being, you know, checked off in Genesis 3. And when we get to this fourth relationship between us and creation, which is also a reflection of us and our work, this is what God says. He says to Adam, 
Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Now, real quick, this painful toil. I want to come back to that. The plants of the field, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. That as a result of the fall, our labor is now a painful toil. And as Abraham Joshua Heschel says, he says, labor is a blessing. Toil is the misery of man. And I would say, and woman. And this is as a result of the fall. And so we all understand this in our own lives. That when you think about work, when you think about your job, what you get to do in life, there are days where it feels like a blessing. It's a joy. You love it. And there are other days where it just feels like a toil, like a misery on your soul, because that is the nature of work. And when we kind of look at this, we just need to be reminded that work labor is endowed with dignity, with divine dignity, a gift from God. But friends, it is also broken. That our relationship to creation, our relationship to the world, which is an extension of our relationship to creation through our work, is that it is broken. I mean, we even see Paul talking about this in Romans 8.22, where he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. That there is a divine dignity to work, but we have to recognize that it is fractured, it is broken. And that for many of us, we put so many eggs in the basket of our job, thinking that's what's going to give us ultimate significance and fulfillment. And friends, this is something that we will not find in our job. Our jobs are important. The work that we do is important. But ultimately, our significance is found in God. And so we see this even at the very beginning of the story. But this doesn't minimize the reality of work in the world. Uh, One of my favorite passages from the Apostle Paul comes in Ephesians chapter 2. And verses 8 and 9 are two very well-known verses to anyone who's been a part of the church or a follower of God for any length of time. Paul writes, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Right? It's a famous passage talking about that what we have is not something we have earned. This is something God has given to us. It is grace. We accept it by faith. And it is what grounds us. It's the foundation of who we are in our relationship with God. And this is all right and true, but oftentimes when people are talking about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, they lose sight of the fact that this is not Paul's crescendo. That Paul's crescendo, if you will, is in the very next verse where after he's laid out this foundation, our significance is found in God. It is the faith that we have in what God has done for us, the grace that he has given to us, that that's how we are saved. That's how ultimate significance is found in us, is in our relationship with God. 
But notice what Paul says next in verse 10. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk out. This is the idea of walking the text. We want to walk out what God is calling us to do. And these good works, these good deeds is the other way that you can translate that, has to do with how we treat people, how we do things in our own lives. It also has to do with the work that God has given us to do, that God has given us work that he wants us to walk out in our lives. Friends, we've got work to do. Work is significant. Work is important. It is endowed with divine dignity. And so let me just ask you this question. How do you view your work? And by the way, if you're a student watching this, maybe you're you know, a child, maybe you're a teenager and you go, I don't have a job. Listen, school is your job. You know, if you are a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad and you go, yeah, but I don't have like, you know, a job in the marketplace. Listen, your hands are full being a parent, you know, stewarding this child or children that God has given to you. That is a job. That is a responsibility. And so I believe we all have labor or work that we do, like regardless of our age. And as we start navigating more through this idea of Sabbath, Uh, This applies to just what defines us the majority of our week. Like that's what we want to think about in terms of our labor and our work. And we'll come back to that, you know, in later episodes. But when you just think about the work that you do, how do you view it? Because how we view our work is ultimately going to determine what we view about God and ultimately what we view about rest that he calls us to engage in. And so as we just think about our work, as you think about your work, there are three things I want us to keep in mind. The first we've already highlighted, and that it is a gift from God, and it's good. It came before the fall, and yes, the fall jacked up everything, but we still have work to do. There is work that God is calling us to do. Uh, The second thing I just would want to make sure is on our radar is that you're in full-time ministry. Uh, If you've watched other episodes before, you will know that this is something that I've talked about before, that oftentimes I'll have people, you know, come up to me and say, hey, I believe God is calling me into full-time ministry. And I'll ask them, are you a follower of Jesus? And they'll say, yes. I'll go, well, too late. Like you're already in full-time ministry. Now, if you want to talk about this, that you believe that God is calling you, you know, out of cubicle world or corporate world or nonprofit world or education world or politics or media, and you want to be, you know, or believe God is putting you like in a church context. Okay, that's, that's a different conversation. That's just about a change in what God is doing. But regardless of what God has gifted you to do, whatever segment of society God has put you in, friends, you are in full-time ministry. That if God has given us work to walk out in our lives, He has gifted all of us with unique gifts and abilities. And regardless of where He has put us, I believe that we are supposed to do that on God's behalf, that we are in full-time ministry for Him. And what's more is the point three here is that the work you do is a form of worship. 
And we see this in the connection to the Hebrew language. Let me show you this back in Genesis 2.15 again. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. The word work in Hebrew is the word avad. And avad is a Hebrew word that means to serve, to work, and it's also the word to worship. That, friends, our work is a form of worship. We see Paul tackling this idea in Colossians 3 where he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, there's a whole context here of Paul writing to slaves. It's in the context of a, of a location called Colossae, and it's in the Roman Empire, and there's all these things that Paul is doing here. And we could look deeper at that context at a later time, but just the whole idea that the work that you are doing, it's, it's for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when we take a deeper theological look at work in the Bible, we see that it is a gift from God, that it is good, that we've got work to do, that that work we do, we're in full-time ministry, and how we do that work is a form of worship to God. That God is calling us to do good, honest work in our lives. And if we're not doing honest work, if we're not doing it in a way that is pleasing to God, friends, we're jacking up our worship to God. And again, wherever God has placed you, whatever sector of, of life that God has put you in to do that work, He's put you there for a reason, to work on His behalf, to put His name on display in how you do what you do. And so how we do our work is just as important as what work we do. And so one of the things that as I've been thinking through this, this idea that, that work is a form of worship, and as I've thought through my own journey, I was reminded of one of the most significant things I came across just a bit over two years ago when God was calling me on from Central Wesleyan. I came across a book by a guy by the name of Brad Lominick. And maybe some of you know this name. He was uh, the one who started the Catalyst Conferences and has, has uh, moved away from that in the last couple of years. But he wrote this really fantastic book called H3 leadership. And the H3, the three H's, humble, hungry, hustle, uh, is fantastic. But chapter six in particular was a game changer for me. And in this chapter, what Brad does here is he makes this distinction between identity, calling, and assignment. And so just as you think about these, I have identity on top and then calling and then assignment for those of you who are listening to this podcast version. And I have dotted lines between um, these three. And, and, and that is because they, they flow into one another, but they are distinct. And one of the things Brad helped me to understand is that we have to realize that there is a distinction between our identity, our calling, and our assignment. And if we confuse these, it's going to really jack us up in our life's journey. And so when it comes to identity, identity is who you are. It is unchanging. I am Brad Gray. I am the son of Gary and Cindy Gray. I am the father to Denyan, Ariah, Calix, and Zyler. I am the husband to Shallon, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a son of God. This is my identity. That does not change. Calling is what we believe we're called to do in the world. 
And so for me personally, my calling is a teacher. I want to help people win in their life, in their relationship with God, in the relationship with others, and the work that they get to do, and how they go about life. And so I am a teacher at heart. That's what I believe I am called to do, to help people win by teaching them how to do things differently or to do things better. And then the idea of assignment is this is how our calling gets played out in job form. It's the work that we do as far as where we're doing it, what the assignment is, what our job is. Now, why this was so significant for me just over two years ago is that when God called me on from Central Westland, God was not changing my calling. He was simply changing my assignment. Now, I say simply, and that came with a, you know, a move from Michigan to Nashville. It came with a move where I didn't know exactly what this assignment was going to look like. I knew what my calling was, but how that was going to get fleshed out. But this was so helpful for me because I know that the thing that I've struggled with in the past, and many people will struggle with, is that they'll associate their assignment, their job, with their identity or, or even their calling. And if you think about this, that if you take your identity and you associate who you are with what you do, I mean, think about one of the first questions we always ask people after we get their name. We say, well, what do you do? Because we associate their name, their identity with their work. But this is unhelpful when it comes to us because what happens when we lose a job, right? If any of you have lost a job before, right, or your job has changed, which by the way, the latest research indicates that the average individual will have 11 different jobs in their lives. And if all of a sudden our identity or our calling is attached to our assignment, this gets jumbled. This is something that is never supposed to change. This is something that may change throughout our life. You know, for one season of our life, we may feel like this is what God's called me to do. This is the focus and this is how it gets played out, you know, in my assignments. And maybe later on in life, that calling may modify a little bit. You won't fundamentally be a new person, but that calling may get played out a little bit differently. But friends, we're going to have lots of assignments in our lives. And if we don't keep a clear distinction between the three, I believe it's really, really going to hinder us. And by the way, I just want to include this quote um, with respect to the assignment from Brad Lominick, because I think it's just so helpful. He says, listen, you should love your assignment, not just endure it. You can't expect every day to be glamorous and to fire you up. Some things you just have to weather. But if you dread getting out of bed and diving into your occupation or engaging with your assignment, something must change. You should love what you do or at least like it. Don't settle for just going through life and during Monday through Friday. Uh, And I just think that's just a really great word for all of us is that if God has given us work to do, let's love it or let's let's at least like it, you know, and there is going to be seasons where we have to do things that we know that we don't want to do, we don't love to do, but may that just be a season for us. And as we just continue to look at our work and as we think about this, friends, it is a gift from God and it is good. Um, it is something that we're in full-time ministry. God has given us work to do, so let's do that work well because our work is a form of worship. And in order to, for, to recognize that it's a form of worship, that means that the work we do connects us to our relationship with God. And as Brad has helped us to understand, we have to make sure that how we view our work and how we think about our identity and how we think about our calling, how we think about our assignment, it matters 
Because next week when we start getting into the Sabbath and God starts telling us to rest, if we don't have a rich and proper theology of our work, as Mark Buchanan says, we will have an impoverished view of rest. And so friends, I hope that's helpful for you because I can't wait to dig into the Sabbath, but we have to understand where we sit in relationship to God with our work, what God has called us to do, how that impacts how we do what we do, because that will ultimately um, have an impact on how we think about rest. So friends, I hope this is helpful to you. I've got a number of questions at Walking the Text that will help you to think through some of the pieces from this particular teaching, to ask questions about how we view our work and how to go deeper in this as we seek to walk this out in our lives. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to the weeks ahead. And if you just know someone who just needs to jump in with this series, share this with them. And also feel free to leave your questions because at the end of the series, I'll answer the questions you have on both rest as well as work because this is part of our Sabbath series. Thanks again. May you walk out the text well in your life. 